So hey, it's good to be here, and uh, I've, I've struggled about this, this message, and uh, I struggle now more with the worship we had, and now this is kind of a teaching thing, and I am a teacher, and I love to teach, um, and uh, summer's gone, uh, so <laughs> it, a lot of things are, are, are hitting me, but uh, I am honestly excited to share this message with you that is out of Romans 14. If you have a Bible, you can maybe head for that sometime, but uh, we'll get there eventually. Um, but uh, my name is Rob Sandy. Um, I am one of the elders of the church here. I've been here since 1980, and I was a youth pastor for a good number of years uh, before I became a teacher. And for you old-timers, this is my 25th year of teaching at WF West High School, and I cannot believe that the time has gone so quickly. I have, my wife and I have a couple more years of teaching. I think we're looking at three before we retire. So um, we love to teach. And, uh, and so um, from being a youth pastor, being a teacher, the teaching part's always been with me. But you know, I kind of feel myself moving more at this time of the year or in my life of kind of more of a, an evangelist. I like to, to fire people up and to encourage people and get, you know, maybe it's my coaching that I've had a chance to do. In fact, cross country co uh, season starts tomorrow at 7 a.m. at WF West High School and I, as well as every high school around here. And so um, can't believe that it's here and, uh, and but uh, it's, it's exciting to be able to coach. And so I hope I can kind of coach and teach today um, to get us excited about serving God and, and to serve him in our church. So Romans 14 kind of talks about some disputable matters in the church. And if you're looking for a title, I didn't even give a title for the screen up here, but it's Disputable Matters, if you're taking notes. Disputable Matters. And uh, there were some disputes going on in the church uh, of Rome, and uh, at Rome. And man, I'm just so glad we don't have any of those disputable matters today. <laughs> you know, it's something that we just can go through and not have to worry about anything, but uh, as a teacher, I will never forget January 6th of this last year, coming in to um, in class and first period come in and we turned on the uh, TV to see what was going on in our capital on that day. And I'll never forget looking at this one girl that just had her hand up to her mouth like, I can't believe this compared to another person on the other side, a young boy that was like, yes. And I thought to myself, we have both sides. Both sides, those looking like, how can this happen? Other sides, yeah, this is great. And I think sometimes these matters can do a lot of harm. Especially if we find ourselves with other people that might think differently and we start going at it in disagreement, it can destroy relationships. If it's in the church, is what we're gonna be talking about here, it could make people leave. And, and basically what Paul's saying here is don't let that happen. And we'll get there. Some other things that, are, that we're faced today is vaccines. Should we have a vaccine or should we not? And I think Lewis County 
is somewhere around 42, 43% of the county has had both shots. And what I'm hearing right now is that now they're talking about a booster shot for those that are fully vaccinated. So there are many great people that say no to the vaccines and many great people that say yes. How about masks? You know, um, it's interesting um, when I have family come down from uh, Olympia Tumwater or Seattle, they go into maybe an establishment here and they say they can compare up in Seattle, oh, you wouldn't believe how many people wear masks or don't, and down here, it's the, it's the opposite. And so what a disputable matter that is if we got into this. If I asked you guys, and I won't, I'm not even gonna go down there, but <laughs> how many believe and don't? We'd have hands up on both sides. And you know, some of these things we don't wanna really get into. And we'll get into that a little bit later too about Paul saying, keep it to yourself, is his recommendation. But on the other hand, sometimes I think it needs to be talked about. But should any of that cause division in the church and cause people to say, I'm done with that person or done with that church? That's where we gotta be careful. How about po politics? Politics has been right there in our face for, for years. And I think even more this last year. And so we have these disputable matters and, and they're all around us. I even looked for a list, you guys. A list of disputable matters. And I'd like to read these to you. These are not my, this is not my list, okay? This is a list by the Christianity Board, okay? So, let's go through some of these. Patriotism. And again, disputable matters means that people are going to be on both sides, okay? Politics, participation in war, capital punishment, the American flag, the Sabbath, the status of women, feminism, women ordained as a priest or pastor, Prohibitions against homosexuality, the clear definition of marriage, climate change, abortion, medical treatment, vaccines, Black Lives Matter, school prayer, divorce, assisted suicide, Halloween, Christmas, Easter, Harry Potter, interfaith marriage, uh, um, interfaith marriage, spanking, and potluck safe dishes. <laughs> I don't know how that got in there. You can't touch potlucks, okay? <laughs> Grandma Lucy's uh, fried something. You just can't touch that, okay? That's special stuff. But you know, to be honest, a lot of us maybe are not into some of those things where we would disagree, but maybe something like this on an evening of a husband and wife, and, and they're saying, uh, well, let's go out to dinner. Great, okay, where do you, what do you want to eat? I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to eat? I don't know. You choose this time. No, I chose last time. Okay, well, what sounds good to you? Anything. Okay, how about this? No. We did that two weeks ago. <laughs> How about this? No, that just doesn't sound good. 
So you know how that goes. It gets nowhere. And uh, sometimes it happens that, uh, well, we'll just cook something here, you know. <laughs> and so there's that disputable matters that does not get you anywhere. Okay, so let's look at Romans 14. If you'd uh, like to open that, I think I got it on the board here as well. But before we do that, I want to read something to you that is written by Kenneth Birding um, that says something about the book of Romans that will help you really get it. I wish I had this on the board. I came up with this yesterday. Um, and, and so my wife helped me out with this, actually. But... Um, I'd like to read this to you. Here's something that many people I talk to about Paul's letter to the Romans don't seem yet to have grasped. The earliest house churches in Rome would have been primarily Jewish and would have been culturally felt Jewish. But in AD 49, the Roman Emperor Claudius kicked the Jews out of Rome. Jewish Christians, of course, would have been expelled along with the rest of the Jews. During the five years between Claudius' edict and his death in AD 54, when the edict lapsed and Jews started to return, the composition and self-understanding of the house of churches in Rome would have shifted considerably. Paul's letter to the Romans would have arrived in Rome somewhere around AD 57 during the period when Jews were still trickling back into Rome. If you can fix your mind that the expulsion of Jews from Rome had a tremendous impact on the churches in that city, you will understand the message of Romans, oh, so much better, or ooey. <laughs> so let's just try to grasp what's going on here. So um, the first Christian church, so to say, in Rome were basically started by Jewish Christians. And so um, they would have had a Jewish flavor, okay, of kind of how the Jews lived and believed in God, even though that these are Jewish Christians now that believe in Jesus Christ, they still would have hung on to some of the old traditions. After they're expelled, it was the Gentile Romans that were Christians that remained in the church and so they began to live and to teach how they thought their lives with Christ would be and it was different compared to the Jews. So as the Jews are starting to come back to the established church that where the Gentiles were in charge, it's not clear but maybe they wanted things back the way they were kind of when they were maybe in charge, when it was at their homes and they wanted things to be back that way, kind of following the Levitical law. And the Gentile Christians in Rome are saying, no, we believe this way. So certainly there was this distraction, and we'll get into that. Okay, let's read this together, Romans 14, starting verse 1. Except the one whose faith is weak. By the way, this is Paul speaking uh, through a letter that he wrote to the Christians uh, at Rome. Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling or dis over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? 
to their own masters, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all, will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, surely as I say, as, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will, be, will give an account of ourselves to God. Verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then it is for that person unclean. If your, person or, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you no longer are acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know to be good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Okay. So hopefully you're, you're following what's going on right now, that as these Jewish Christians are coming back, they want a, a policy or they want to continue how they live by not eating meat and following Levitical law and, and putting special emphasis on the Sabbath and other religious holidays to the Jewish people. And the Gentile Christians, Romans, were saying, no, that is not correct. Paul comes in here and says, he actually calls them weak. If they believe that they must eat, that they cannot eat meat, and that they are following the Levitical law. Interesting. So none of us would like to be called weak. None of us want to be put down. I would say all of us want to serve God to the best of our ability, and that's the challenge. 
But still there is disputes. What's interesting here is that there's a key word that enters into the equation here, and it is freedom. Freedom. This freedom is what these Roman Christians, these Gentile Christians, are grasping onto. This freedom by knowing Christ and Christ alone, where they are not hanging on to the old law of the Old Testament. And understanding this concept that as a Christian now, you choose to follow Christ. It's not something that we do by following Christ where we have to do certain things. You have to do this, you have to do this, and you do this. No, we choose to do those things. It's, it's remarkable, it's an incredible difference. It's an amazing, amazing revelation to the Christians of that time. Certainly the Jewish believers, that they struggled with that. And sometimes, you guys, it's easier if we had a bunch of rules. Let's say you become a Christian and someone hands you a book and say, okay, this is what you gotta do. You have to go to church, you have to read the Bible uh, twice a day, you have to get on your knees before you go to bed and pray. You know, all these different things, then we'd say, okay, this is what I have to do. But as a Christian for us, for the Roman Christians back then and for us today, through this new covenant, we choose to serve Jesus Christ. It is our choice. And hopefully with our choice, Jesus has 100% of us. It's kind of called sanctification. We give him our all. Jesus, take all of me and lead me. And so do you kind of see how this might be uh, a matter of dispute? And so Paul's saying, it's okay. It's okay. People can believe this and believe this. The key is the unity that we have with each other. Let's look again at, at Romans 14. Okay, so if you've got that open, um, I want to kind of go through s several verses here. Um, and I'm going to do this fairly quick. If you're taking notes, I'm sorry. But uh, no, it's good. Taking notes is good, but I, I might go a little fast. Um, but Paul gives some direct teaching to those in Rome. And I would think that a lot of this teaching is for those that understand this freedom in Christ. But I would say it, it also fits for the Jewish Christians that believed in Levitical law as well. So verse one talks about, accept him whose faith is weak. And again, Paul looks at that weakness as one that follows the law and, and not have this freedom to not have the law and to have, in this case, the ability to eat any food, meat or any other type of food that was forbidden to them earlier. Accept him. Verse three talks about the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. So we're gonna move into judging here in a little bit, but we struggle when someone does something different than them. And guys, you know, when it comes to our life with Christ, you and I both have this idea of how we're supposed to live our life. 
And so if someone comes up and says, I think it's different, sometimes we struggle with that. That's happened in my life. I've had someone tell me that uh, you're, you're not doing it right because they thought something different. And so that can happen. And I think we have to be very careful about telling someone, especially any other Christian, especially in the church, that my name's, my way's right and yours wrong. Now, let me go a step further and say sometimes that needs to happen. But remember here, we're talking about disputable matters, that people can look at something from both sides. Verse four, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother? Verse uh, 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. I think Paul's really trying to get this across, that we are not to be our brother's judge. That is for God alone. Scriptures talk here, too, in Romans 14, that we will all stand before God and his judgment. which makes us think that if we believe in this freedom to choose and do what we want, we have a responsibility to choose what is right in God's eyes. We can't say, okay, I can do this because I have this freedom and we know it's it's not what God wants us to do. That would be a lie. So what a responsibility that we have as Christians. If we say we follow God, that we want to serve him and do what we believe God wants us to do. But judging can be so damaging. I remember um, growing up and going to college at Peninsula Community College, playing basketball there and and taking, I loved it. Port Angeles is a beautiful place. Peninsula, I was up there recently and all these trees are growing up. Before you could see Edis Hook out there and across on a clear day you could see Victoria, just gorgeous. You look behind and there's Hurricane Ridge 5,000 feet up, just incredibly gorgeous. And so this, um, I was with a, in, in a house with three other guys and uh, just a beautiful house, got a nice little bedroom all to myself. My parents came up one time and we're talking and uh, one of my roommates was a very zealous Christian, t- took my mom back into another room and started talking to him and uh, talking to her and basically as a result of the conversation, told my mom she's going to hell. It devastated her. It devastated her. So we have to be very careful, very careful about judging our fellow believers in the church. Verse Um, 19 says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to mutual edification. So there it is. Within our church, we need to do everything we can so that we can all come together. Hooey. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. So let me throw something out to you. Do you think the church at Rome would have a potluck? Of course they probably would, but but have a potluck with with meat as one of the dishes? Some 
Some think it's fine. But others do not. And because others do not, no, I don't see them doing that. I don't see them putting that out so that the division would be right in front of people saying, hey, just look at people who are going to eat that and who are not going to eat that. That does not build people up. That does not build you and I up uh, for edification, for mutual edification. And verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. So this makes sense to me. But does that mean that we shouldn't talk about some of these things? I don't think so. But maybe we're the type of person that really likes our way. That's none of us here, I'm sure. We have to be careful. And maybe it's best if we don't bring up these things. And maybe that's, uh, we can get the help of, of someone near us. Say, don't talk about that. Rob, don't, don't talk about that. Because they know us better than sometimes we know ourselves. So that's important. Again, we don't want to do anything that would hurt the body of Christ. Now this is interesting. These scriptures that we just went through in Romans 14, all of this fulfills the words Paul wrote in Romans 13. If you have a chance to look over at 13, verses 8 through, 9, 8 through 10. Unfortunately, I don't think I have this up there either. So, um, l- listen to what Paul says in Romans 13, 8 to 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another. For whoever loves others hath fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Oh, there's that law again. Whoa, okay, so I thought law was fulfilled by people doing stuff. Well, for the Jewish Christians, they really felt that. If I do all this stuff, that will fulfill this law of reaching God. But for the new Christian, and for you and I, the fulfillment of the law is to show love. And that's what we need to do, especially in the church especially in the church. For just a moment here, ooh, you guys, I am running out of time. I know we like to, we like to uh, be done by 11 o'clock. Guys, just bear with me, okay? I wanna share this. Okay, so we're talking about this freedom. Some of you may not understand that freedom or have that freedom today. And I want to talk to you just really briefly about this. What has Christ freed us from? Maybe you've never made that commitment to Christ. And you're thinking, should I? Why should I? Let me read this to you. The bondage of sin is one that Christ has freed us from. Uh, Corinthians 13, 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
It saves us from this bondage of sin. You go, you've seen the pictures of someone walking and they got a chain and a ball, ball and chain, and it's hard to walk. Well, sometimes sin can be that way with us. It can hang on to us, it can pull us back. It can be Satan saying, you don't want to go to that church because people are going to find out what you've done. We have all done stuff. The beauty is what we find in the next scripture, or the next idea, the penalty of sin is what Christ has freed us from. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This gift of Christ dying on the cross gives us freedom over the penalty of sin. The last one is the freedom of guilt and shame of sin. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive and to cleanse. Many of us still hang on to some of those sins that we've done in the past. And it's like that ball and chain. Christ says, I have forgiven you. I have washed you clean of that. Stand and realize you are free from that bondage of the sin of guilt and shame. We're free. We can be a brand new person in the sight of God. So what has Christ freed us to do? He's given us the freedom to live. Listen to this incredible scripture, John 10, 10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now, does that mean I'm going to be wealthy? No. It means that the fullness of Christ's presence within us will give you joy and happiness that cannot come from anything else. That is life, you guys. He's also given us a freedom to serve. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, what God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are at a time in our history right now in our church that we're looking at up and in, okay? And so up is our relationship with God and in is our relationship with others. And that's what we need right now. We need to come together as a body and say, here we are and where are we going to go? But ultimately, God wants us to serve and to reach out beyond these walls. And maybe that's serving within our church as well. There are incredible needs right now for us within our church. So God wants us to be free to serve. Remember, it's our choice, not under bondage, not under compulsion. We choose to serve God because of our own relationship with him. Okay, in conclusion, I want to read uh, a little text here by Gary uh, Friesen called Disputable Matters versus Indisputable Matters. Disputable matters are in contrast to indisputable matters. Indisputable matters are those truths that are essential to the Christian faith. They are defined by our doctoral statements and include core beliefs such as the triune nature of God, Jesus being fully God and fully man, his atoning death on the cross, and the hope of glory for those in Christ. These are the basis for the Christian fellowship. They are essentials, and he says this, that we would die for. In contrast, disputable matters are issues that should not, that we should not die for, which should not serve as conditions for Christian fellowship. 
Are these matters worth discussing? Yes, they are often. But they are certainly aren't a test of a person's saving faith. A wise leader knows how to distinguish between disputable matters and indisputable matters. So you and I need this wisdom that comes freely from God to fill us to know when to say something and when to just show love. Always, actually, always show love whether we say something or not. Disagreements about eating and drinking are not important in the kingdom of God. Building up each other in righteousness, peace, and joy is the important thing to do. So let me tell you, let me share something about our church. Our church is in a unique position right now. We are without a pastor. And we have great pastors helping us right now, associates that are stepping up. We have people willing to do things. But we're never, we haven't been in this situation for, I don't know, longer than I've been here. And so, where do we go from here? Well, let me tell you where we're going to go from here. It's like I didn't give you any time to think about it. But let me tell you. So let me tell you a story. I, my wife and I took my, two of my grandkids to Penny Playground. And uh, we got there, and it was crowded. And so kids are running around. I mean, kids, is like, that's a candy shop. They're running all around doing all those things. This is an amazing place, by the way. And uh, so my wife and I are walking around. We're sitting watching. And uh, that's, that's fun. Look at them play. And then pretty soon, uh, it was getting kind of hot. So uh, Kelly and I went over to this place that was kind of uh, on the side. And there was a slope down that was carpeted. And uh, it went down to maybe 10 feet. And so we're sitting there, and kids are running around. And uh, I decided, I thought to myself, um, I wonder if I could slide down this. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. And I wasn't really fast, so it wasn't really that cool. But I went down there, and I thought, I'm going to do it again. So I went up there, and I did it again. And pretty soon, my grandkids come over there. Hey, what's going on? And, and so they were up on top, and I was starting to slide. And then it really turned into something exciting because I felt like I was falling off a cliff, and I was reaching up to them, saying, yeah, yeah, you got to help me. And they're reaching for me. And, you know, I'm big. and stuff. So they're hanging, and I'm pulling them down. And we're all laughing. It was great. We went up there. We did this several times. And then suddenly, as I went down, screaming, help me, help me, help me, someone jumped on my back. And I'm looking at Knox and Tate and my wife. Um, and I'm thinking, I don't know who this is. And I look around, it's this little guy. Just this little guy, and he has a big smile, and he's hanging on to me, and he would not let go. You know, I'm just <laughs> trying to shake, and he would not let go. And uh, so he stayed with us. We played for about another 10, 15 minutes, and, and it was a great time. But I thought, what would make a little guy want to jump on someone he doesn't know, and I don't know? And it hit me. We were having fun. And when you're having fun, other people want to be a part of that. And this little tyke was right on, you know, right in there. 
We went somewhere else and he was still following me, jumping on me. You know, he just, he thought that our little group was, was fun. Well, guys, I want our church to be like that. I wouldn't have to be fun, you know, you know. But I want people to see us when we're out in the community and I want them to see that we are people of love and that this is a place where they can come and have their lives changed. You know, I think as I look at this summer, our morning services have just been outstanding. The worship has been outstanding. The preaching has been outstanding. It's been cool hearing a lot of different people get up here. But I think we have something here that is special. But I really think the key right now, and I know that, in fact, Keith's going to come up here in a little bit to talk about some things, but, um, and maybe you're kind of sitting back thinking, well, I wonder what the elders are doing, and I wonder where we're going to go, and, you know, are we going to get this interim, and are we going to get a new guy, and what kind of, what kind of person will that be, um, and all these different questions you have, and so you may be hit, kind of sitting back, and I'm saying, we need you all in right now. All in right now. Be a part of this and say, I, I want to make this church a beacon of light. Don't hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. That's what I want, and I, that's my dream. I, you know, there's evangelism in me. I want to see in my lifetime um, God move in a powerful way. I want to see revival. I want to see a time where people are just dropping onto their knees, walking down the sidewalk saying, I am a sinner, I need your touch. God, fill me. And I believe that can happen. Guys, when I first came to this church, back in 1980, our congregation was about 60 to 80 people, probably averaging about 60 years of age. And it changed my life. Came up here to visit, and it's like, these people are excited beyond. They believe that they can, a group of 80 can build a church to seat 600. You've got to be kidding. Can we believe in, in that? Now, guys, I get caught up in numbers. You know, I, I really do. And, and my wife kind of says, Rob, you just can't do that. But, but I just want to, you know, um, because I've seen it happen. When God is at work, he excites people. That excitement goes out these doors and you want to share with people, you've got to come and see what's going on here. And that's what our elders are hoping to achieve, is to, to build this church into something that you're not going to miss Sunday. Guys, and that's been me this summer. I do not want to miss Sunday morning. I've told Kelly, you know, we've been working up at uh, my parents' cabin at Hood Canal. I said, I do not want to miss a Sunday morning. It's been amazing. So, I could go on, and I'm not, um, because I've gone on too long already, but I want you to join with me and join with the, the elders to make this church something that are going to knock the socks off this community and allow God to do things that sometimes we look at as impossible. That's kind of what I look at. In fact, I told us the people, let's think about something that would be impossible and trust God that it can happen 
Just like 80 people thought they could build a sanctuary to seat 600. By the way, when that sanctuary was built, it was filled. About a year and a half. So don't tell me things can't be, in, uh, impossible things can't become reality. Join me. Join us. And let's allow God to do amazing things in this church and in this community.